This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another Foul Front episode. Per usual, I'm your host, Matt, and joining me is a special guest host tonight, Jake from Chasing Green. How are you, Jake? Pretty good, man. I appreciate you having me, and I'm excited to be here talking some ducks. Yeah, no, I appreciate you being able to hop on. Thomas, <laughs> he's out fishing. He was supposed to hop on here and uh, called him. He said, I'm out fishing. I'm like, oh, okay, well, understandable, you know, priorities. So don't blame yeah. don't blame him for doing that over other than the podcast, so uh, but tonight's topic is, I, we thought it would be kind of a cool, uh, I don't know, get the, the gauge of fellow waterfowlers and fellow hunters and outdoorsmen by asking the question, if you could change one thing in waterfowling, and some people just took it to mean hunting as well, what would you change? So we're going to read off. There's a lot of, I've got a ton of these to go through. Um, there's some on the Fowl Front Facebook podcast group. If you haven't joined that, hop over there, check it out. Uh, we're getting more and more people every day, it seems like, so that's awesome. But we're going to just hammer through as many of these, and there's a lot of duplicates, which is good and bad, I guess. But uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about the feasibility of some of them. We'll talk about, uh, you know, what our thoughts are. And then uh, I know, Jake, you shared one of your – or you shared your thoughts, and we'll I'll hold mine till the end. Um, we can jump right into yours if you want to uh, start it off. So if you could change one thing in waterfowl hunting, what would it be? Well, for me, and I know this is like really a hot button issue, but it's really just the the inner fighting within waterfowl hunting. If I was going to change one thing about waterfowl hunting, I would just shut down the the constant squabbling within the group. It seems much more prevalent in waterfowling than any other hunting. You know, the more... The more I get into waterfowl hunting as far as like the industry and just the deeper I go with what I do with Chasing Green, the more I see it and the more states I go to. And, you know, a huge um, problem right now is like non-residents. You see a lot of states like that thing just happened with Manitoba and it's just constantly how can we 
keep this to ourselves and keep people out. We want this. And it just seems like a lot of fighting. And I I don't know if what your opinion is on it, but to me, it seems way, way over the top. And one major downside to that is just that, you know, the the other side, the people who would be against waterfowling are completely united. (laughs) Like there, there is no squabbling on their end. And what, meanwhile, while our side is, completely splintered and split i mean there's just all these different tribes and factions which that's just natural it happens in everything but it seems much more um stronger in waterfowl hunting i guess you know i would i would agree with a lot of that um you know like like thomas and i were just talking about we talked about water swatting and the whole controversy just last episode and how it ultimately doesn't matter like that shouldn't be an issue that we care about as waterfowlers. Like if someone wants to shoot them in the air, if someone wants to shoot them on the water, who cares? Let, you know, worry about yourself on that. But like sky busting, you know, I think we could all agree that there is a point of no return where like a yardage that waterfowl hunters shouldn't shoot past. And I think in like instances like that, if people are doing that, maybe don't chide them or make fun of them or be hurtful in your criticism, but they do deserve to be, criticized to some extent not not to where you know it shuts them down and it, it's a negative experience for them but use it as a learning experience and yeah. I, I, another one that really i'm gonna hit on this real quick another one that really grinds my gears that i see a lot is really prevalent unfortunately on tiktok these days is kids and usually kids taking videos with wounded animals and wounded ducks wounded deer wounded i just saw one wounded turkey half hour ago I mean, it just popped up as there is no place for that in hunting. There's no place for that in waterfowl hunting, you know, respect the resource, respect the game and instances like that sky busting, um, you know, taking videos with crippled animals. I believe those instances we should use to criticize, but not fight. If that makes sense, you know, you use them to constructively criticize. Like I, you know, being on YouTube, you know, I'm sure you, you get this too, you know, you get, criticism people that just say stuff that means that's absolute nonsense but you also get people that want to criticize and you can learn from it i mean i I think since doing youtube i've became an even better duck hunter through you know criticism through suggestions that people have offered to me via you know direct messages or in the comments or something but they did so in a way where to not offend sure so that that's I guess that's a long way of where I fall on that topic, um, and social media was a huge, actually one of the huge answers. So I guess we can just flesh this all out. Um, well, I will say one the main part of that for me that really gets me going on the inner fighting that I see going on is mainly around pressure and how it's leading. Like some people think there's too much pressure on ducks and some people don't. And that's started to cause a huge conversation around regulations. And, okay. And that's a huge deal. Um, it's, and I've noticed it over, you know, since Arkansas did it, I think North Dakota may have been the first one, but I mean, North Dakota, South Dakota, Arkansas, I think Missouri, Manitoba. I mean, a lot of these major States are starting to institute non-resident regs. And there's a huge debate and conversation over that. Like you were talking about some of the criticism and stuff. That's just part of it. And I think you're right. You can learn from that. That's not 
necessarily the fighting I'm talking about. It's more of this stuff that's really having huge impacts on the sport. Because if we keep heading in the direction we're headed in now, which is let's limit, 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 unless you're from one of these great states, it's going to be really hard to go travel and have a great duck hunt. I mean, especially if you're a guy, and I've come to know some of these guys through YouTube, like a guy from Alabama, a guy from you know Georgia, where there are no ducks. He's putting in just as much money in the DU. He's putting in just as much in the Delta. He's paying the same federal duck stamps. But 90% of the birds he's raising, helping raise with his funds, are going into 10 states, maybe 12 states. They're all going through these certain ones. And if these states start closing down to all these other people, you know, it's not like big game or elk where that state's raising that game themselves. We all raise ducks. It's federally funded. Like, yeah. So I think once you start really limiting all these guys who aren't blessed to live in a great state like me and you are, you're really getting on a slippery slope. And um, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And uh, it's just the direction we seem to be heading. Saskatchewan's talking about starting it next year. So, I mean, it's just, you know, dominoes are starting to fall and it's really something I'm, I'm. Yeah. yeah I know. Uh, well, I know South Dakota has a lottery system for non-residents, North Dakota, they have a, a week earlier opening for residents only. Um, and then I think Montana is even talking about doing something with non-residents as well. I, I, I get what you're saying and I, I understand it. There is also something to, taking care of your own though too not to not to turn away residents but like how north dakota opens a week earlier for resident only like that in my opinion i guess that doesn't really hurt the non-resident season if that makes sense you know like non-residents can go up there and still hunt but the residents also get like a perk of being in that state other than a cheaper license and i like that I yeah, like, so something like that I could get behind. North Dakota also has a limit. You only get two seven-day periods. Yeah, that, that's something else, too, I so guess. So, like, that's a huge deal. I mean, especially if you're, like, in a crappy state right next door and you want to jump the border. You know, for somebody like me that's traveling 12 hours, yeah, I'm probably going to only come up there for seven days. But when you got guys right around the state that may just come over a two-hour drive and now they can only come once per season because they get one seven-day consecutive period – I mean, it just seems overboard. I mean, I've never seen this in my study any numbers like the Manitoba one. They're they're talking about limiting thirty six hundred hunters over a, a Providence that's the size of like two or three American states. I mean, you're trying. That's not pressure, in my opinion. You know, it's just like I feel like. But I I, I agree with you. I think the resident should get some um preference some favor but when you start limiting guys to a week out of the whole season or whatever it is i think that's too much i think there's a fine line in there kansas is talking about doing something like that and um, yeah and i you know i hang out on the refuge forums a fair amount and that kansas forum they're always it's always about non-residents and stuff so i'm telling you man yeah and and i'm like if you're not hunting right now if you're not satisfied with it you're never gonna hunt because i mean it's as good as it gets i mean um, I've been doing it a long time, so I've seen the ups and the downs. If you're not happy right now, you, you, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> so I guess but, uh, <laughs> piggybacking off that, I'm just going to go through this list here. Uh, and the first one is no guides and no non-residence hunters. <laughs> South Dakota had it right back in the day. Let's see here. At least they still limit it. So 
you know, and I guess if you're in one of those states that's highly pressured and you're seeing an increase in pressure, I can understand why people would feel that way. Um, I Another part of this, and I don't want to, you know, reduce wildlife to a monetary value. I don't want to do that because that's essentially what market hunting was. Mm-hmm. But what is the drop in revenue? Like how much revenue do non-residents versus residents contribute to those states? See, I would be interested in that. But also, you know, just what you were talking about too, the opportunity, but also, you know, you're living in that place. Um, and if you've seen an increase in pressure and stuff, I can under, I can definitely under, understand, um, you know, those negative emotions you're feeling towards non-resident hunters and especially where public land, unfortunately, is at a premium and private land is a hot commodity that's becoming even more scarce for a variety of reasons. Yeah, I agree. Private land is definitely starting to to shrink. And I agree that there are places that have pressure problems. I, I can about guarantee you that no place has more pressure than Arkansas. I mean, this, we have sheer volume, either the first or second most hunters in the country or third. I can't remember where it's at, but just I think that t- conversation should go more towards let's get more opportunities instead of let's restrict hunters. Let's go pick up more public ground. Let's put our money to good use. Let's hold our managers accountable and make them get more land instead of like, let's keep people out. And like I said, another, you know, huge part of that, if I understand it from that resident's perspective, but he's also got to understand that, you know, the, those ducks that they're now holding was paid for and helped funded by a lot of other people and they deserve a chance at those ducks as well in my opinion and i and i also think and this is going to really rub some people the wrong way but i think that some people not everybody but some people are using the pressure thing as just an excuse now they go out and they have a bad day well it must be pressure they don't listen to my call they keep flying when i call at them they're too pressured i mean like they just the great hunters i know kill them period it don't matter where you put them and it don't matter what the pressure is, they get it done. And uh, I'm not counting myself in that. I'm talking about just the other people I know. So I'm not, again, saying that pressure do- don't affect ducks and it don't cause problems. I'm just saying it seems to be one of those things people are reaching for way too much. Okay, so this guy also, uh, he also hit on another one that's also popped up. So um, actually, he kind of hit on a couple of them. But so the not, no non-residents, that's... There's been a couple people mention it. He also hit on no guides, no outfitters. People wanted to, there's a couple more here and um, limiting outfitters. Let's go through all these, basically outfitting, talking about guiding. And we could do a whole episode just about guiding. You know, I have some friends that are guides um, and, you know, I've heard some horror stories from other, from them and others. Uh I, I get, I get the reason there, there is a reason guides exist and there are reputable guides out there. I do not want to be like bad mouthing the whole industry. I don't want to say that there are though a lot of fly or I don't even want to say a lot of, there are a handful of fly by night operations where, you know, they just, they have a handful of decoys. They might, I mean, the, I don't want to speculate too much, but there's, there's all kinds of lists of allegations against these guide service from trespassing to party hunting to, uh, you know, there's all kinds of different stuff that some of the shoddier ones put out and the reputable ones don't like it. And the people that used to get permission on those lands for a handshake or maybe a case of beer don't like it. And 
I mean, there's even allegations of them, some of them guiding on public land and once again, illegal and at least my state and other states as well. Uh, so those ones I can, you know, I can get behind. We need, there needs to be something to limit that. In my opinion, there needs to be, whether it's a, you know, an outfitting license, like in Nebraska, you don't need anything to start a guide service other than some money, permission, decoys, and guides. Like you, I could start a guide service and, you know, I just have to lease a bunch of land or buy some land and I could start whatever guide service I want. And there's people that do that, you know, and, you know, they're, they're the ones that are successful at it, very successful, have earned a reputation for doing so for being able to, but in doing so, I mean, they they lease up so much land that it limits opportunities for, you know, the average Joe for, for everyone who might just be like, talk to that whatever farmer. Cause he saw a few geese in there the day before. And well, that's leased up. I can't, you know, I can't do it. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame the landowners one bit because they're getting paid. Like it's their land. They got to pay the taxes on it. I have no, you know, I, I, if I was a landowner and I didn't hunt, I'd probably do the same thing. I'm going to be honest. Like, they're offering $5,000 for a pivot circle in some places. Yeah. Be stupid not to do that. But, you know, on the other side, it's, it's the shoddy ones. It's the fly by night operations. It's the ones, um, that just, they just promote unethical practices. I'll throw that in there as well. Uh, those are the ones that give the more reputable ones, a bad reputation. Um, and, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of them and I, I think there needs to be something done on them. So I can, un- I definitely can understand that. Sure. Yeah. And I'm in the same boat. I, I'm kind of like you, I get why they exist. I do think that they do provide a service for some people and, um, they do provide value, but they also, and I've seen it firsthand, just destroy opportunities, you know, for the average guy. And that that's happened in my lifetime in Arkansas. It's always been you know, a guy game here, but it's just gotten worse over time. I mean, you can't outbid them. And the farmer knows, like you said, you can't blame him. I mean, he's going to get much more money than just what you or me could offer him. So that's the biggest problem I see with them. I've heard of states, I think Manitoba did this in their update, that they're making the guides. They have to tell the landowner that they're guiding now. Like, that's a regulation. They have to make that known. And they have to, like write out everywhere that they've leased and they have to report that every year. Like this is what we got and, and, you know, reporting changes that. So just any kind of, I'm like you, some more regulation needs to be done because they definitely, the bad ones definitely promote bad behaviors. I mean, I've heard of them just dumping birds and this, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. flock, flock shooting. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, we had a huge, huge poaching case here in Nebraska. I mean, it, um, Hidden Hills Outfitters, I believe is the name. I better double check that to make sure. <laughs> so don't get any, yeah. anything yeah. against me here. But uh, yeah, huge, huge issue. And it wasn't even waterfowl. It was uh, it was like big game mainly, turkeys, deer, maybe some antelope in there as well. Yeah, I think I heard about that actually. Uh, let's see here. Double check that. But yeah, that, that was in Nebraska and yeah, Hidden Hills Outfitters. There you go. Uh, so that, I mean, that's just one example. And when a guide service like that gets busted, it does all the actual ones, the reputable guide services, a disservice. Because then, you know, they all get lumped in. And there, you know, there are good guide services. Personally, I'm not going to use a guide service. I, that's not how I want to hunt. That's not how I want to do things. 
But if there's people that, you know, lack that opportunity and just maybe want to go shoot the gun and bag a bag some mallards, bag some geese or whatever for a day, you know, more power to you. Um, but there definitely needs to be some checks and balances on it. And I've seen, I know uh, Utah has something like this. Like, I think they do a two-year licensing fee for outfitters. Uh, they, I believe, require proof of insurance to be carried by the outfitter as well, which is a big thing. And then uh, trying to think what else there was. I mean, there, there's there's ways to, you know, give the customer the best, um, the best service the be- and to not limit everyone else's opportunities is i guess because because i mean it's gotten to a point here in some spots in nebraska where guides are outbidding other guides like so another guide service will pop in and they'll outlease those guide services and so then you just got infighting and you got a huge bidding war well no one else is going to be able to afford that ground and those guide services you know one or two of them is going to go under or uh there's no telling what could happen. So it, yeah. it's, it's just not, not a good situation overall for anyone. And then, you know, you got the pressure where people are paying to hunt and they're expecting, typically expecting a great hunt. Like if they're paying you, those people generally are expecting, you know, a pile of birds. Sure. And, you know, so then that just increases the pressure up on the guide and it leads possibly leads to, you know, uh, skirting the rules or other stuff. So none of these issues that we're going to discuss tonight are really black and white, but I think this one could be solved or at least aided with some basic checks and balances. And I think that's kind of sounds what you're thinking too. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. There needs to be some more regulation on guides. I think in most States. Yep. Okay. So (laughs) that was a long winded answer. Um, Okay, we've got a ton here for get rid of the internet, get rid of social media, and then some social media mindset. So I guess we'll, let's just start with get rid of the internet. I would I would 100% agree with that. And that would make not just duck hunting better, it would make life better. Like, it would improve society if we just got rid of the internet, in my opinion. I would be all for that. Um, social media at this point is a bane of our existence. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I could go either way on that. You know, I, I'm i pretty rustic living anyway, so I could get away with it. But I also like it, you know, especially with what I do. I really enjoy social media as far as, like, mine and your side of it, YouTube and that kind of thing. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who hate on YouTube now. Like, and I've, I've seen personally just the value it provides. I can't tell you how many on my channel, Joel's channel, Elliot's channel, your channel. I mean, how many guys do you get that really didn't have that mentor? You know, I had my dad and his whole duck hunt crew that taught me how to duck hunt. A lot of guys don't have that. And so they're learning how to duck hunt off YouTube. They're using the internet literally to learn how to duck hunt. And that's a huge resource for them. I mean, if you, if you got nobody in your life, you can, ask these things to or learn these things from and you're trying to learn how to blow a duck call you're trying to learn this that i mean uh i think some guys who had a mentor like me take that for granted and they kind of like hate on it and they don't see that side of it but i can't tell you how many messages i get thank you for doing this i mean it's changed my duck hunting life you know this or that this oh yeah yeah no i mean and from that aspect i mean it's a huge it it is it's a it's a invaluable learning tool it's it's all the other stuff that comes with it the uh 
it, it breeds competition almost like, you know, you, you see someone else have a stack of ducks and like, you're going to go out and do, you know, go all out to do whatever you can to get a stack of ducks. You're going to get a crew of 10 guys and you're going to, you know, it's all about the pile pick mentality now and all this, this other stuff. And like that stuff, we don't, we don't need that. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard Elliot talk about the stages of hunting. That's part of it. So when you're just starting out, you know, you want to shoot or, you know, you want to be successful and what they think is successful is sh- shooting a limit. I mean, sure. you know, that, and okay, that's fair. You know, shooting, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to say I don't like shooting limits, yeah. but there's more to it for me now. Like, I just like being out there. I can shoot a duck. I cannot shoot a duck. You know, I've gone, just for example, I've been on seven snow goose hunts this spring. I've shot exactly two snow geese, but were all those other hunts bad hunts? No, because I got to see one of my buddy's kid smoke a snow goose. And just with one shot. And that was awesome. I got to see all these plumed out ducks fly around and drop in over me at like five yards, 10 yards. That was awesome. So, you know, for me, it's about the experience. For me, it's about time outdoors. And it, it's, it is, it's a, it's a stage progression. And so the hope is eventually, you know, people are going to move out of the pile pick. And if we didn't have social media, I don't know if that would really do much to address that because you can go back in the days, the 1930s, 40s, 50s, how many pictures are there guys with big old lines of ducks along their, you know, model T Ford or model a Ford yeah. or whatever they had back in the day, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of these people, they want to complain about social media ruining hunting. I mean, you could go to the barber shop, you could go to the bait shop and you'd see pictures of deer and fish and ducks all on those bulletin boards. You could go open up a Ducks Unlimited magazine from back in the day or Field and Stream or whatever magazine, and there'd be top 10 places to duck hunt or top 10 places to get a nice buck or something, you know? So now it's more accessible possibly, but are people seeing those online articles more than the print articles back in the day? That'd be interesting to know. I I would think it would probably lean a little more towards the online, but there's so many different sources for information now. There's no guaranteed way that like, that one article that this place put out or that one video that this place put out is going to be viewed more than this print media back in 1980, for example. Yeah. So yeah, that's again, totally not agree. black and white. Like there's a lot of gray area on these, but it, it is an interesting discussion. Yeah, no doubt. And I don't know as just in the duck hunt context of it. I don't know if it's brought just as much good as it has bad, but it's definitely, the internet's definitely brought some good to duck hunting, but it's definitely brought some bad too. It'd be interesting to debate, you know, which one's more as it brought more bad or more good, but I see both sides of it doing, you know, what we do. And I think it's a good thing. And, but like you said, the power pick mentality that can definitely, you know, influence people the wrong way. But I will say coming from Arkansas, like I've had, that's always been here that competitive i mean that vibe has always been in arkansas like and and, you know i i I get it like people are just naturally competitive or uh, you know a a fair amount of people are naturally competitive so you know you you're going to compare yourself like if you and your brother go out you you want to shoot more ducks than him or something you know yeah but at this like it's who can make a bigger pile and that you know that i don't I don't like that. I don't, you know, I, I, I like my solo hunts. I like going on my, uh, 
I like to hunt with just a handful of buddies at most. And that's how I hunt. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's just how I do it. Um, now, now I don't mind making a pile. <laughs> I don't <laughs> mind making one at all. I don't go out there to make one, but if one gets made, I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to complain like, Oh yeah, it sucks to make a pile, you know, shoot a pile of birds or anything. It's just I don't, I don't mind hunting my preference and, and getting it done, you know. But I'm like you, I can, I can be solo or I can be out there with eight guys, and it's more about the experience. But I, de- I definitely still have a little more of that. I want to get it done. Still, not necessarily kill a limit. I just want to. It's all about playing the game for me. Like I like winning against the birds. I guess would be the way to put it, and yeah, you know, trick them. And uh, when I'm doing that, I'm happy. And if I'm not, I'm I'm not very happy. It's hard for me to. Oh, it's a pretty sunrise. Uh, I'm, st- I'm still good this morning. It's like no, we got to go get autumn. <laughs> okay, so we got some more uh, people kind of going off this social media thing, but a little bit more in depth. This this guy says uh, people hunting just for social media clout, and I I've heard it. And how I would describe it is killing for content. And I would agree. Like, that has no place in it. Like, if you're going out there just to kill, no, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, sure, that's, I mean, it, I guess you can justify, well, I'm going to use the meat or whatever. But don't, that can't be your sole reason to go out there. You know, it, go out there because you want to be out in nature. Go out there because you want to see the birds work or whatever. Uh, but just going out because, well, I got to make a video, you know, you know, I, I, I can get what that guy's saying that I, and I hope I'm interpreting that the right way, but that's how I'm, I guess, reading that. Yeah. Social media cloud. I mean, I would compare it very similar to a God, you know, he's gone out there to kill limits for his people. This person's go out there to kill limits for his content. And it's all like, you know, it's, it's a similar game. Okay. This but one yeah, says, I agree. So I guess we spend a lot of time on just like two subjects. So uh, the bashing on social subjects. They, I mean, they are, and they're they are probably the most commented on. Uh, this one says the bashing on social media, and that's kind of what yours was. I'm gonna how I'm interpreting it is the infighting with stuff that doesn't matter. Um, once again, justified criticism on videos with like crippled birds or illegal activity. I've, I've seen an illegal activity actually on TikTok. Like I'm pretty sure I saw, uh, well, it was a couple of years ago now, but some guy was shooting at a duck with a 22 or something. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it's I don't even know what you put that on. So. Yeah. It's illegal to take pictures with these birds. Like you're talking about, you're supposed to dispatch them immediately. Yeah, exactly. And people don't, you know, people don't realize that. And, and going back kind of to the guide thing, party hunting is illegal yeah. and some people don't understand that you know don't understand the reasoning why like what's it matter if we have four of us and we shoot 24 ducks or well i mean ultimately 24 ducks die but when i'm hunting i want to make sure i shoot my birds like yeah you know maybe if and there can be splits and stuff like you guys both shoot something or there's a lot of different other scenarios that come in someone just claims the bird but you both shot at it you know sure so yeah we could do a whole episode on party hunting i've got i've gotten a lot (laughs) of messages about that before so uh, let's see a lot of public access and 
kind of talked about that as well. You know, a lot of public access, uh, unfortunately, is dwindling because, you know, privatization, urban sprawl, uh, and then you're just, you're losing habitat in general to agriculture, to uh, just all kinds of different things, you know, in some years you might not even have that because of like drought or uh, whatever else. So unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be much more public. I mean, what's public is public. I don't see much more becoming public, which is an unfortunate, unless there's like, you know, we, we do have like in Nebraska, for example, we have the open fields and waters program. They have the Weehaws down in Kansas. Um where they pay landowners to basically allow hunting for that year to allow access. Um, So as long as people treat that land, treat that resource respectfully, you know, don't litter, don't drive through it. Don't start it on fire, by throwing a cigarette out there or something. uh, Don't, don't shoot at any livestock. Then hopefully it'll still remain public access and, you know, everyone's happy. Which I got to say on this, this is mind blowing to me. I, I feel pretty strongly about this subject. You're right. We're definitely, it's it's only going to get harder to gain more land going forward with urban sprawl, with people using other lands for more profitable resources. Um, and like you said, it is harder to get private now. So this public is becoming more and more valuable for us hunters. I mean, we have to have it. And there, there is this huge attitude in all over the country of like, well, this is what we got, you know, like, this is just it, you know, we're, we're stuck here. And it's, it's crazy to me. I, I just, I, I think as hunters, if we really wanted to, and you had the right people to band this together, you know, you could get more land. I mean, most hunters are willing to, to put in what it takes uh, if they know their funds are going to the right thing. So, I mean, if, if they instituted some sort of voluntary high dollar stamp, like habitat stamp that was 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. I mean, a lot of people I think would put in for it. And after five years, each state would have some significant money to go buy some ground. Um, and it, you know, we're talking about all this non-res stuff, charge them freaking crazy amounts, charge them $800 to get a license to come hunt and then use every bit of that. You know, if I feel like if there was a focus, I mean, you look at some of the budgets, I watch a lot of these commission meetings and there's just millions of dollars coming through these commissions. I mean, and I know they use it. I'm not saying they're misusing it. I'm just saying they're already getting a lot and I think they could get a lot more. And there there will never be an easier time to get land than right now. It's only going to, price is only going to go up. Like you said, you know, it's getting with urban sprawl and everything, it's getting harder and harder to find the right type of land that we need. So. Um, if you're right though, if they, if there aren't some significant, you know, actions taken towards that, it will always be just what we got. And that's not good. I mean, you're basically capped out right now because you are already hearing all the pressure problems. We're not going to be able to grow the sport anymore without more access. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the big thing. Um, and we actually had someone say, you know, uh, less new hunters or get rid of the, get rid of all the new hunters and some laughy emojis. So I'm going to take that as another pressure issue. Pre- uh, can't talk pressure issue. Um, but yeah, that public land availability is a huge, you know, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for it uh, because we need as much as we can get. Uh, it's a, like you said, it's a dwindling resource. It's a finite resource. There's not new land that's going to come available 
And unfortunately, our some of our existing public land is, you know, getting well, or at least trying to get converted, either privatized, privatized, or um, there might be other other stuff going on there behind the scenes that we don't realize about. But uh, yeah, that's more public land. That would be one thing if if I could just snap my fingers and change it. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and and you know, on the new hunter thing, I mean. It, it's going to be hard to ask for that from a government perspective when you only represent less than 1% of the population as far as duck hunters. I mean, as a whole, according to what I've seen, you know, hunters represent like right around 10% of the population. I mean, why should we get funding for this or that? We don't, you know, there's a lot bigger people groups out there that uh, politicians would rather give money to than us. I mean, we're just not that much. We're not a significant portion of their voter base <laughs> and those, those low numbers are just hard to get anything done with. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, all right. The next probably next popular one is a change in change in shooting times. So a lot of them are saying extend shooting time 30 minutes after one said 15 minutes i bet they did (laughs) so and then and then there's some also talking about extending the season past the january 31st cutoff that is the general federal guideline with the exception of some youth and fed you know like veterans hunts uh i guess we can start with the sunset the the shooting time shooting uh, yeah shooting time discussion basically that in my opinion, wouldn't do anything because the birds, pressured birds, learn when, and very quickly, they learn when and when they're not being shot at, which is why you see that mass influx generally, especially on those blue bluebird days, right yeah. at shooting light or five minutes after shooting light. So if you extended it half an hour after shooting light, they're going to show up five minutes after that. Like the, uh, It ultimately wouldn't do that much good. And ult- I also think it might be more detrimental to the resource, honestly, because, you know, as you get closer to dark, for, so for instance, Nebraska conservation snow goose season, we can hunt snow geese a half hour after sunset. That last five, 10 minutes, especially on a cloudy day, it is very hard to distinguish what they are. So a lot of times we end up just packing up because you can't, I mean, you can't tell. Like, yeah. how how well are you going to be able to ID that bird? I mean, if if it lands in your decoys, okay, fine. And you know, it quacks or peeps like a teal or something. Fine. I'll give you that. But those birds that they become educated, they become well-educated and they're just gonna like, they'll outsmart you. And it, and it's not just shooting time. It's also the month. So extending your season past that 31st deadline, not only would it be detrimental to breeding ducks, you know, where they're forming pair bonds for that time of year and going, you know, making the trip back North, but the reason you see so many ducks after the season closes is because there's a lack of pressure. Either, you know, you might have a reverse migration, but generally those birds have found safe refuges to hold down in those places. And then once they're not getting shot at constantly, they pop back up again. And, you know, so they adjust to pressure. The the birds adjust to pressure. They learn where they're shot at and where they're not and when they're shot at and when they're not. I mean, you can go down to Kansas prime example, go on one of those lakes that has a refuges you know, has a refuge on one of the sides of it. They know where that line is. 
Like, sure. it is crazy to observe that. Like, those birds have figured it out like that. And unless you're hunting a crappy weather day, you know, snow or high wind or something that throws them out of the routine or you get a push, those changing those limits, changing those days aren't going to ultimately do much. Yeah, and, and that's key, like you said. You need weather or something to disrupt their pattern to be successful on stale birds. That's been the case since the dawn of time. Since people have been shooting yeah. the ducks, they've patterned humans. And I think you're right. If you move the time back, they would just pattern you to it. Uh, if you wanted to be successful doing that, you would have to like um, interchange it. So make one day a week to where you could do that. And I think that would be successful then uh, they, just to where they couldn't pattern it. Like maybe one weekend out of the season, the last weekend you could hunt, you know, after 30 minutes after that would work. But it's after two or three days, they would just pattern to it. And, and without something to disrupt that, you wouldn't ever kill them then either. So. Yeah. You honestly would almost be better just to have random splits and then, yeah, which we don't have splits in Nebraska, so I can't really attest to that. I know Kansas has a split in one of their zones at least. So, but no, they I got you know, multiple splits. They got multiple splits. Okay, so well, have you ever hunted like the opening of a new split or like oh, after yeah. that split? And is are the birds less pressured? For sure. Yeah, we target okay. those dates. Arkansas's got that. Uh, Kansas really is kind of unique and. They don't really have splits within the zones, but they got multiple zones that open at different times. Each zone has a split, but they all open at different times. So basically you get like four splits, if that makes sense. And yeah, it definitely makes a huge difference. I mean, anytime the birds aren't getting shot at, obviously they're going to be easier to kill. So, okay. So we got but, some more um, start. But as season. far as opening up later, um, I would like to see new research on that. I know a lot of what, why we don't go into February is based off a lot of older research, you know, because they're starting to pair bond at that time. But I wouldn't mind seeing like a weekend, you know, two, two weeks into February, you know, do a, some kind of split to where you get an extra few days in February. I'd be all for that. So it's funny you kind of mentioned that. And there's a couple, I, I agree with you that I would like to see, newer research on i mean because we can never stop learning like just because we assume it's been that way for years doesn't mean that that's the right way you know that that, that doesn't mean that it's 100 percent correct maybe there's something we miss so just you know that's what science is, is you just keep trying and keep trying people come up with a theory they test it they you know hypothesize and it either gets proven right multiple times or it gets disproven so i'm with you i mean i'd be cool to see some newer research um on that but we also have a lot of suggestions here for, I'm going to call it a taxidermy season, quote unquote, for <laughs> lack of better purposes. Basically, you go out right now, you get one or two days, and you can shoot those nice, pretty pintails, drake shovelers, plumed out blue wing teal that surpass you, you know, that fly by you when they're all eclipsed on the way down. So. In a, in a perfect world where you weren't hurting waterfowl populations, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would be all for that. <laughs> for sure. I, I do not think it's very likely, however. No, me either. Me either. I, I'd even like to see a draw for it. Like, just let some people go out there. <laughs> Lottery tags? <laughs> yeah. like a, treat it like a trophy elk permit, you know? Just... Yeah. 
Okay, let's see. Uh, eliminate the high school drama between grown men. That's kind of what you talked about. Uh, limit the group size of hunters to four hunters. So, I mean, that's... I, I, I'd, I'd be okay with it. I would be okay with that. Because I don't like hunting bigger groups than four, typically. But <laughs> I know you guys like your uh, crew calling and... Uh, yeah, I'd be all that good stuff. I'd be outside with signs on that one. They <laughs> tried to pass that. <laughs> hey, that's that's why these are all hypotheticals. So yeah, I'd just, be just wait until wait until I share mine at the end here. <laughs> uh, this guy says jump shooting. So I don't know if he's for or against jump shooting. I'm gonna treat it like against jump shooting, I guess. Which I guess I could see from it might. I mean, it could if it's if you're jump shooting the roost, absolutely that can definitely ruin an area. If yeah. you're jump shooting snow geese, there could be possible collateral. So I can I guess I can see that. But if you're just jump shooting ducks, and you know you just pick one duck away from the mass, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think most no, people. No, me would. either. That's how a lot of guys hunt, and that's kind of the thing I'm talking about. Like. Some guys just aren't that skilled. They don't want to be that skilled. They just want to go out and get a duck or two to eat. And um, they don't even have yeah. decoys. They're just going to go jump them. You know, they don't want to spend $1,000 like you and me to go shoot a couple <laughs> ducks. So they just go jump them and they get the job done. I wouldn't do it. I'm not into that. But um, I wouldn't blame a guy that wanted to do it. So there's there's some places. Um... I heard some guys like jump sh- shot some of your geese <laughs> this when we were doing that competition. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had these geese scouted out on this pond and then here comes, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Aiden and Jordan. Oh yeah. <laughs> shot my geese. Well, they weren't my geese, but they were, they shot the geese we scouted. So, or we assume they were the same ones, but I guess that's another, that, brings me up to another one people acting like the birds are theirs so i don't i guess i i say they're my geese i don't actually like i don't care um you know i know some people get real heated um if you're calling birds off um and i i it just use common sense and it goes into another one some other people brought up is respect your fellow hunters like don't shoot swing birds don't set up too close don't you know basic ethics and basic respect that most people i feel like have i, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt you know that that you know they're not going to set up within 100 or 200 yards I, I would hope 200 yards at a minimum um that's just kind of my rule of thumb i guess on that don't shoot swing birds you know if some if they're working another guy spread and they're swinging wide you know just let them limit out and then hunt afterwards so i i i can get that i guess yeah the calling thing point you made is a huge one i mean people are real used to be real um these are my birds in arkansas that was a huge mentality here but calling birds off other people i mean we used to take pride in that and i I hate to admit it i hate that i used to be like that but when i was younger there if we had four or five really good callers i mean you wasn't going to get your ducks we would just call them off of you and uh i mean that's stupid i mean i i'd never do that now if if a guy's working birds and they're about to commit to him i'm not gonna hit them and mess them up a lot of times when you do that they're just gonna 
come over to you, then he's going to hit on, they're going to go, and then eventually they're just going to go on and nobody's going to get them uh, when you get too many people calling at them in one little small area. So I've, I've really tried to just let, you know, the birds work the other group. And if they come over to us, we will call at them, you know, if they kind of leave them. But we're not going to just get down on them, hell call and try to. Yeah, that, I mean, that you know. that's the way to approach it. And like, you know, there's some guys, a bird flies over and that's, oh, that's their bird. It didn't, you know, it didn't skip a wing beat. It's just flying over the whole area. Mm-hmm. That That's a whole different situation. What we're talking about is birds cupping up. They're starting to spin. They're starting to circle. They're working that spread. Probably should just let them work. And if like, you know, like I've, I've had just as good of luck not even calling and then sometimes they'll shoot maybe one will come by me and i can shoot or sometimes they'll just peel off and come over to my spread you know that we it's too much of a competition i know someone else already said that too so uh just general respect is one that also shows up here quite a bit you know respect for hunters respect for the land that's a huge one i absolutely hate seeing trash out there it shotgun shells uh energy drink cans shotgun boxes it's terrible that oh it is absolutely garbage if you're gonna say you're a hunter and then you're gonna claim that you're a conservationist act like it pick up your trash pick up your crap that's you know it it, it shouldn't be that that big it it shouldn't be a controversy at all it shouldn't be that big a deal it should be general human (laughs) you know knowledge to do that to, to treat the resource with respect to treat the land with respect to treat your fellow hunters with respect because we're all in this together but, but un, un, unfortunately, you go to any parking lot in any public <laughs> land, and there's just trash like all over it easily, especially by the end of season. It drives crazy. me absolutely nuts. I, that uh, would be one I would change to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here, skybusters. It should be should be illegal to shoot over a hundred yards. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how limit. you're going to enforce that, but. <laughs> Sky busting, yes, sky, I would change a lot of that too. Um, sky busting has unfortunately been a part of waterfowl hunting for, and people think it's with the advent of social media and you go on the forums and guys are like, I've seen worse sky busting in the 60s at this place because they guys would just go on a bucket, sit on a dike and pass shoot all the ducks that flew by or stuff. So apparently it's been an issue for a lot longer than the advent of you know, YouTube and Facebook and all the hunting dvds and stuff like that um but it is an issue because you don't realize how damaging it is to the resource because your pellets spread um and that bird can fly off it might not die it might die two miles three miles away uh you know it it, taking ethical and responsible shots is always a big issue it's also really damaging to other hunters around you if you're on public i mean if oh that too yeah if there's five guys, my computer's If there's like five other groups hunting, and four of them are trying to put birds in the decoys, with this one group shooting at the first thing that comes by, well, now like the other four groups can't work birds. They don't have time because this other group's shooting as soon as possible, and it just messes everybody up. And the main thing, the main reason why I see that happening is that people just aren't patient enough. They're not number one, usually getting hit enough and taking the necessary steps to actually land the birds. But then even if they are, they're not patient enough, they're calling the shot on the first pass. And even though it may not be necessarily 100 yards sky busting, they're still shooting them at 50. And 
and like I said, not letting everybody else work birds in in tight like you would want, and that's extremely frustrating. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of creates this, you know, domino effect. Now this group's doing it. Well, we got to do it if we want to kill anything. You know, we obviously can't take our time today, and now everybody starts doing it. They're trying to kill the bird, a bird, as soon as it gets in range. Yeah, um, it either becomes that or people get really mad and then stuff gets heated and, you know, it. no, no one wants that. No one wants to skybuzz. Well, I, I hope no one wants to skybuzz, I guess I should say. But, yeah, just I, I would change that too. That's a, you know, that's a good one. This guy says, your gun would malfunction if you tried to shoot over 40 yards. So, once again, don't know how you're going to make that happen, but... That would be nice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Let's see here. I think people would enjoy it a lot more if they just learned how to work birds in tight. I mean, it's so much more enjoyable. I mean, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's not just duck hunting, goose hunting for me, like turkey hunting. Like people are like, oh, I got this TSS. I can shoot them out to 90 yards. Why would you want to? I want to see how close I can get to them. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Like it. Yeah. I'm the same way, dude. Like I want the turkey five yards from me not 90 <laughs> like yeah i mean it's I, I get no enjoyment out of that i don't get any enjoyment out of pass shooting green head at 50 yards like i mean no. I, don't get me wrong i will shoot them at 40 sometimes on a tough day but i don't like it like it's not the same we'd all rather same. have them backpedaling over the spread shoot them you know yeah and yeah no i i got you um let's see here we're getting closer <laughs> got a lot of them weeded out here you were talking about the old school hunters you know back in the 60s and stuff sky busting i would argue that hunters are more educated today than they were then there was That's, way more you're saying so more. you're there was yeah. way more sky busting back then i don't saying. know if it was way more but i would say on average just since i've started i would say which was like 30 years ago i would say the average hunter is more educated today he has way more resources to educate himself that's that's fair and that that backs up what i've seen like you know i hang out on the forums a lot and uh, that backs up what those guys have seen well a a lot of them guys have seen i guess and i I mean there was a lot more hunters back then in the 70s there was twice as many duck hunters as there is right now yeah and they were shooting think a greater number of them were just like not good hunters you know (laughs) They were just, like you said, guys out there on a bucket, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, this guy says, better, although impossible, better enforcement. Every day I hunt public, I witness a violation. And believe me, don't we all wish for that, you know? Um, especially especially if we see something really egregious. Uh, I can't even, you know, just, just, I like, for example, I saw a guy 15 minutes before shoot time start shooting birds just he must have had a 10 gauge too because it echoed through the marsh stuff like that like super egregious you know uh, i you know i always try to wait till shooting time um right you know i got alarm on my phone as soon as it buzzes i know i'm good to go uh if someone shoots a minute before shooting time you know whatever maybe their clock's off a little bit and i don't think a game warden would really maybe the hardcore ones would but for the for the egregious stuff for the people like wanting waste that's a huge one just chucking yeah. birds not even breasting them out um for all that stuff uh, yeah i'm with you 
yeah it's just it's it's money you know it comes down to budget so yeah i totally agree which i don't think i don't know how much of it's going on i don't i can't ever think of ever seen anything that was egregious that i can remember and i go to a lot of different places i hear of it but i i never like have personally seen it that i can ever remember i mean i've seen the people shooting before and after legal before um trying to think what else i've witnessed I had a drone fly over my decoy spread and sit there at 10 yards this year. So I, I did call the game warden on that. For one. like a long time? Ever... Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could have shot it. Now it's a federal, it's a felony if I were to shoot that, but it's also hunter harassment. So uh, I did call the game warden on that instance and other it's hunters. A felony in the area. If you shoot it, it's a controlled flying vehicle. Yeah. So if you ever have like a, if it was a PETA person, say and they wanted to harass hunters sure it's like a slap on the wrist hunter harassment for them it's a felony if you shot that drone down wow that's crazy so, i didn't know that yeah I definitely <laughs> shot it down <laughs> yeah i was like i mean i was getting perturbed i was waving my hand on get out of here i'm trying to shoot ducks and then it finally buzzed off but yeah i mean that that was probably the worst worst thing i've ever seen um i know thomas he said he's found he was hunting North Dakota this year. They found 22 bullets in geese they shot. So, mm. you know, that's a, that's a huge thing too. Yeah. Like that's super illegal. So if you could, if you were able to enforce that stuff better, trespassing, sure. you know, that, that, that's a, another thing. Um, and then yeah. going off that is the possession limit. This guy says, I wish they would drop the archaic possession limit. And oh, me I too. understand that one. Um, there's a couple more mentioning the possession limit. I've never heard of anyone get ticketed unless it was like a secondary offense for it. Like you're screwing up a lot bigger and then they're going to check your freezer. They're coming for you. And they're, and they're, yeah, they're throwing everything they can at you. But, it's a dumb rule. I hate it. I, yeah. I, yeah. It, I agree, totally agree with you. For like, me, especially like if I go out on the road for three weeks, like I'm eating duck every day or like finding somebody to give it to because i don't ever go over just because you know me and you we put ourselves out there so you have to make sure everything's 100 percent legally so i never go one duck over and so if we're killing them you know we killed them four or five times in the past seven or eight days you got a lot of duck and you're having to just constantly eat it whereas the main reason why i hate it though i can kind of understand that they don't want people just piling them up but and wasting game yeah but the main reason why i hate it is because i eat them all year long and now i've got to feed me and my wife off 18 ducks i mean i can eat four in one sitting i mean that's not gonna last very long that's like a couple of cookings you know exactly like i can you know i can shoot a lemon of green wing teal and eat those in one sitting yeah you know like and i love duck like if i could stack up enough i would never buy steak again i mean if i could just have enough to have once a week you know see that's what i do like i don't buy burger i might buy the occasional pack of bacon for either you know, I make summer sausage because I like that for breakfast out of goose. Um, but, you know, I, I rely for my meat, at least, on everything that I either shoot or catch. So fish, deer, this year I have an antelope, actually, and then duck and goose. But like you said, you know, 15 mallards. That's all I can keep. Which and isn't nothing. That, that's, yeah, that's nothing. Like I can eat, you know, a whole mallard in a meal. So I could go yeah. through that in probably a week, really. 
Um, and then a lot of times I've got a friend over plus my wife. I mean, there's three or four of us eating on it. So, you know, exactly. I mean, that's gone this instantly. And, and there's no real specification. Like it, it's a very gray area law. I want to call it for lack of a better term, because what, what, de- what, de- what defines possession? Like, you know, if I cook this duck up, if, if it's a cooked duck, is that still in, does that count towards my limit? If it's jerky, does that count towards my limit? A few federal game wardens about this and they, most of them will say, but like you said, it is gray and it's ultimately going to come down to the judge. But most will say once it starts to be prepared for food, as in putting marinade or whatever you're going to do, cutting it up, ready to cook it. Like once that process starts, it's no longer in your possession. But I read an article of another federal game warden wrote on some website where no matter what, even if it's been turned into sausage, it's still in your possession. To See, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like there's just so much gray area. So it really comes down to the warden, comes down to the judge. Yeah. Um, and if like, they're going to get you, they're going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I like mallard steak. So if I breast out a mallard, is that not fit for cooking at this time? Could I not argue that that shouldn't count against my limit? And then the rest of the mallards from that day also not count. Yeah. And another not- annoying part is like, you know, the little tenderloins inside the breast. Yeah. The little piece will save those. And you need a lot to make a good cooking. You know, they're so tiny. Well, what if I just hold them back? Like I ate the breast off that bird, but I saved his tenderloins. Does he still count my possession, even though, you know, I really have already eaten them? Or if like I save the legs out of them. Yeah. You know, I, I eat the breast, but now I've got the legs. And, you know, it's just a really annoying thing to have to to mess with. And and so often in waterfowl, you're punishing 90% for what 10% may abuse. And I just don't yeah. think there's enough of using it to make it worthy of giving everybody a headache. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd I, I'm totally you know, I'd I'd be fine if, even if they just clarified. Like yeah. if it's if it's on like if you have eighteen ducks that are unskinned, unplucked, you know, whatever, make that your possession limit. But if they're ready for cooking, you know, whatever. But just they leave it you know, this gray area so they can you know enforce it as they see fit so exactly I, I, I just want clarification that's so no one's breaking the law <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's kind of their goal though i mean if they think they have somebody that needs it stuck to them they want to be able to do it oh absolutely and um yeah i'd like to at least see it get raised you know another two limits okay uh yeah i'd be and you know going off that like what if they lower the duck limit in the future does it stay at 18 just because I could have 18 in the past? And, and you know, what about like me? Like I, I may kill uh, my limits in the central, which is different than the Mississippi. So now I come back to Mississippi where I live, Mississippi flyway, and now I'm over because I've shot all my mallards. You know, I can kill an extra mallard in the central. Yeah. So, so it's it just, like, <laughs> there's a whole lot of just different situations that could arise from that. It just needs yeah. to be smoothed out. Yeah, that would be great. I doubt that happens there. Okay, <laughs> we've got we've got some uh, we've got some more here. Kind of, this guy says, "If I could kill snows, dude, I hear you. It would be great if I could. I mean, I've shot two. I got my first blue as a juvie this year, but uh, I'm look fastly learning or quick, sorry, quickly learning that uh, you know just why snow goose hunting is so addicting and also why it." 
is so exhausting because <laughs> you set up, you're going to set up decoys a lot and you're going to do a lot of stuff that ultimately fails before you're usually before you're super successful and have like, you know, those big spins or just a bunch of birds decoying. And that, that right there is just what drives me. You know, I, every failure is an opportunity to learn more. Like why didn't these birds come in? Was it my hide? Was it the spread? Um, was it just their stale adult snow geese that have been here for three weeks and <laughs> they don't want to even come in? You know, sometimes it's just snow geese or snow geese. That's just how it is. But it, it, it fuels me at this point. Like it, it's a whole nother addiction for me um, to, to chase those spins, to chase an awesome hunt where the snow geese are coming in. And every, t- and I, you know, I say it pretty much every hunt, anytime you can get one bird, you can shoot one bird, you can bag one bird. It's an amazing hunt. And that rings even more true for snow geese. Like any adult snow goose I shoot, I look at as a trophy, but <laughs> Yeah, it'd be nice if they were a little more cooperative more often. Totally agree. How much yeah. snow goose experience do you have, Jake? Not a ton, man. I mean, you know, Arkansas is a great destination for it, but um, it's really changed a lot since I've started hunting. We used to pretty much be able to go wherever we wanted. We would jump shoot them a lot uh, during the conservation. I mean, we'd just rack them up. But... um I've not hunted them over decoys just a ton. I've never had just a great hunt doing it. So I would like to get into it, but it's so expensive. I mean, you need so many decoys and oh yeah, it's just a, it's a hard thing to get into when you're already into a lot of other things. So yeah, no, I'm, uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm slowly building a snow goose spread and I'm finding out just more from a storage standpoint, (laughs) like where to put them all. But yeah, it it's a whole nother it's a whole nother game compared to snow goose or compared to Canada goose or duck hunting. But it is it's just as fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to have one of those massive spins just put in perfect and get to experience that. But we'll see. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I would just be more the guy who goes with some some guys who do it all the time. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get yeah. into it. Yeah, and see that see that is a fair instance where. I would be, you know, I don't want to go with an outfitter to go snow goose hunting, but I can absolutely see why someone would, because just the amount of input for that, like you're looking at a lot of, if you want to buy a whole snow goose spread and e-collars, gun extension, all that good stuff, you know, or you pay this guy a couple hundred dollars or however much they cost for guides and go from there. So, you know, once again, kind of what we said earlier on outfitters, but, uh, let's see. No mosquitoes. Yes. I, let's make I can that get happen. behind that. Let's make that happen. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely get behind that. <laughs> Man, early season before the freeze, it was brutal. Like we'd have a breeze. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be nice. Because they say mosquitoes, I think, oh, anything over 15 miles per hour, the, the mosquitoes will not be out or not fly or not be as bad. Yeah. That was a lie. <laughs> at least at least where i was because like there would be days or well, at least my weather app would say it's blowing 15 and there'd still be mosquitoes so yeah i'm all for that let's get rid of those things yeah i hate them yeah uh this guy says no plugs that's an that see that's an interesting one i understand I, the reason they have plugs or at least the reason that i've always understood that they have plugs is it helps limit sky busting um, it helps limit 
unethical shots because instead of guys, especially with semi-autos, racking off three shots at every flock, you know, trying to fill their limit, trying to shoot those birds that get away, how many guys are going to rack off five instead if, you know, if they, or four, whatever. Uh, you, you wouldn't want that in the hands of guys in the South. <laughs> that would just bring <laughs> devastation, I promise you. If they if they put in 30 and there's eight guys there with unplugged guns, it's going to be like what you see on the snow geese, just <laughs> emptying and raining out. It's not going to be good. <laughs> I'll give it, I've hunted with a couple Southern guys. Uh, they can shoot. They can shoot. <laughs> It's not a, if you ever like go on a snow goose hunt or see some snow goose guys who really can shoot and with those unplugged guns and the conservation and see the devastation they cause with it, you'll see why they, they don't let it go on us. It would be bad for, for some situations. I see why they do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can, I don't, I, well, that's never going to happen anyways, but I can see that. No, if anything, uh, <laughs> we're not going to get less regulated. I promise you that. No, no, especially with you know habitat becoming harder, you know, coming less abundant, all that stuff. There's a there's a lot of things working against wildlife currently, which is unfortunate. But uh, and that kind of leads me into the next ones that are limits on bluebills, and got a couple guys talking about limits on pintails. I know in Texas and California, especially, this is a common complaint. Uh, I, and I guess in an ideal world, that'd be nice, but without the <laughs> accurate, accurate scientific data to support a higher limit, <laughs> I don't think it's happening. And actually I heard, uh, at least on pintails, we were pretty close to not having a pintail season this year. Uh, there was almost a closure. I can't remember exactly how many thousand away we were, but it was not very far away. Yeah, And I know some guys in some areas are just covered in pintails. Actually, right now we're covered in pintails. But, you know, I, that that's all federal. There's kind of like a that. split on that, really, because it, even on the scientific side, because some people like Delta, I've heard people in Delta Waterfowl mention that the pintails are really oddly, um, like male to female ratio is really out of whack. So there's some people calling to be able to shoot an extra male pintail only that's because, and that's sorry go ahead jake no they're, they're they're just saying that some people think there's so many males that it's actually like bombarding the females and and causing them to not be successful breeding that's yeah that's what i've uh i had a uh i hunted with a waterfowl biologist and he was kind of talking about that as well he said there's a i want to say it was almost five to one or six to one drake to hen ratio so you have and it makes sense like you can go out right now find a hen pintail and there will be at least three or four to six, seven, eight drakes chasing her. And apparently it makes them burn that excess fat reserve off, which is key for re-nesting. This is how he explained it to me. So hopefully, you know, if there's any waterfowl biologists listening, feel free to message me and tell me if this is correct or not, but it, 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 it limits the re-nesting capability of pintails. And then pintails also don't like to nest in, as, you know, the similar habitats to pretty much all the other dabbling ducks. Mm -hmm. uh, they prefer other things which are in less abundance nowadays, which just further, you know, leads to their decline. Yeah, I've heard that what they prefer to nest in really mimics this short stubble 
row crops and they're no tilling in the fall and waiting to till it in the spring. So they're nesting in these crops and then they come in and disc it and that's really hurting them. Yeah, they would do at least up in like, well, the prairie pothole region, they would do more of a fallow system where they just let this land set idle. And now they're trying, you know, trying to maximize uh, profitability on those acres, which once again, can't blame the farmer for doing so. And they're doing basically a yearly crop rotation. Some guys are still doing a fallow, you know, a fallow year in there. Um, but yeah, they might till it. They might, uh, there might be something else, you know, some other kind of disturbance. And I've also heard, I want to say that they nest further from water. Oh, I, I want to say yeah. that. Yeah. They nest further from water, and that's why they have the longer neck. So they can, in the historic prairie region or whatever, they could stick up and, you know, see all the way around for predators and whatnot. That was kind of their adaption to the habitat. And now there's, you know, on a drought year especially, <laughs> there's no water for the ducks to go to. Yeah, so. Elliot had a biologist on a few weeks ago on his podcast, and they were talking about this. I think he said they'll nest up to like a mile away from water. So the ducks have to hatch and walk a mile just to get to the water, which is pretty treacherous, I would imagine. For oh, yeah, all kinds, of, all kinds of predators and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the pintails have it stacked against them. There's no doubt. I mean, it's not a good outlook for them. Yeah. Which they're it's... one of my favorite birds, so I hate that. Oh, yeah. And then the scop, I, I mean, we get them here, but I don't know near enough about scop. Happen, I mean, they're diver ducks, but yeah. I don't know near enough about them to talk, <laughs> to elaborate. I guess we only shoot mallards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the great, the greater scop's a greenhead as well. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 awesome. I I just I'm like you. I don't see many of them. I've shot just a handful. Yep, that's. Pretty much I am too. Uh, okay, we're almost done here. Let's see. Yeah, a lot of the same ones. Change some limit numbers. Cheaper decoys. There's a, there's a new <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So decoy decoys prices. Even even decoys for like resale. Someone that bought them and they're reselling them. They're almost reselling them for new decoy prices. And so, like I've seen some people. So, uh, yeah. Cheaper, cheaper everything. Another guy said, uh, let's see, where's it at? Used boat prices. So <laughs> I, I bought a boat and I can, uh, I can attest to that and bust out another thousand. What'd you get? For. Uh, this was years ago. I had, oh, a, I thought it you was an 88 Larson in out. It was a, basically it was a ski boat that this guy, rigged up to be a bass boat so he put like a deck on the front with a bass seat and rod holders and everything and i was like no i don't know i was like i had money and i was like oh i'm gonna buy this it's gonna be awesome and took it out to the lake and it would it would just randomly die so i I think i took it out like four times and then uh covid hit and everyone wanted a boat so i'm like i'm gonna sell my boat (laughs) it had a trolling motor on it so i took a took the trolling motor off but yeah not a big not a big boat guy and i'll get into that a little bit later i would like to have a boat but like that guy said they're just too expensive i'm not paying thirty thousand for like a deck you know tricked out duck boat no okay this guy says longer season i i hear you man i hear you 
I could go for a longer season for sure. Yeah. The flyways. <laughs> I'm guessing this guy's probably from the Atlantic flyway if I had to hazard a guess. So, yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> if your flyway doesn't have as many birds like the, you know, it's it, it, it's weird because it almost, I would almost say the best flyway starts on the west side and just kind of gets worse as you go east for ducks. Is you know, like, it seems like the Pacific's the best. Central's also really good. Mississippi has pretty good spots as well and then atlantic's just kind of get to shoot one or two mallards and a goose yeah and maybe some wood ducks and a black duck every now and then so (laughs) yeah if you're on the east coast i feel for you guys yeah the further Um, east you go the less ducks you get and the more hunters increase (laughs) yeah (laughs) good stuff uh let's see 9 a.m wake up calls to biscuits and gravy and decoys set themselves for you and that that sounds great to me. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, so, for the right price. I'm sure you could arrange that. So, so yeah. <laughs> 9 a.m. wake up calls. Actually, you know, I would set people's decoys for the right price. I don't know how good my biscuits and gravy are, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me either. Maybe that's a new, there's a new venture for some enterprising young kids that have good knees. Uh you can go set decoys for us set old up timers. Set truck yeah. in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> food truck, food yeah. truck at the parking lot, and also a decoy setting yeah. service. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, having to get up four or five every day. See, I don't, I don't really mind that. I, I can get it. I wasn't like back in college. I wasn't really a morning person as much. I would still get up early, but it was a lot more of a struggle because I was also a night owl in college. Nowadays, you know. I get excited. It's hard for me to sleep the night before I'm going. I know I'm going hunting because it's just like, what's tomorrow going to hold? At the very least, I can't wait to get out there. This is how I'm going to, this is how I think I'm going to set up with the wind. This is how I think, the, you know, if there's birds here, this is kind of how I think they're going to act. Uh, this is what I'm envisioning for my hide. Like there's all these hypotheticals going through my mind. I'm just kind of pre-playing the hunt beforehand. So by the time that alarm hits, usually I beat the alarm up because I'm so excited every day, but I mean, yeah, I, I can get that too. I'm all for, I've really started hunting. If people pay attention to my videos, a lot of them are after lunch. <laughs> like I've really started <laughs> hunting in the afternoon a lot. And if I can get away with that, I'll, I'll for sure take it. You know, they're talking about uh, like the sunshine, sunshine protection act, like making daylight savings time permanent. And I'm all for that, especially out West, like in you know, when I'm in Nebraska or Kansas, you know, shooting time, like before daylight saving time is like eight o'clock. So <laughs> That's no, I'm, I'm with you because before the time change, so I get off at work at three every day. I usually can get out before the time change and hunt for a couple hours in the afternoon. Um, but after that time change, it's just, there's no, I can't, I can't do it. So yeah. if they kept daylight savings time year round, I could hunt almost every day and that'd be awesome. Yeah, it would be perfect for me. Get out there later and stay later. And that's that's perfect for what <laughs> I want to do. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to. I mean, there's more states passing it, but I don't think it's going to ever. Well, they, they passed it through Congress, but it didn't. It hadn't made it through the House yet. So they yeah. reintroduced it. But surprisingly, everybody in Congress unanimously, unanimously, they all voted for it. Well, that is a shocker. United, yeah, it is. united the Congress on something, I guess. Yeah. 
I would love to see it happen. Okay, okay. here's a here's a good one, new one. Um, more critical self assessment. Your hide, your shooting, calling, etc., can always improve. I I totally agree. That's, um, you know, that's one advantage of doing YouTube is kind of what I hit on earlier is that constructive criticism. Um, you know, I, I I get told my calling is trash or have in the past, and that's fine. You know, my the real judges I care about are the ones with feathers, but that doesn't mean I don't want to improve it, you know. So, <laughs> always striving for. I can't. Improvement. I can't even picture how you call. You call so little. Like you yeah. know, usually I can like think and like remember how somebody calls, but. Well, I did have one call. Um, people would affectionately call it the kazoo. So, <laughs> <laughs> I have since retired that call. Uh, usually now it's just. Yeah, I just now usually I just use whistles. Um. I'll I'll call sometimes, but it's yeah more sparing than you guys down south for sure. Yeah, you probably call the least out of anybody I've ever closely known, which that says a lot. I mean, you're super successful, so a lot of that's like style and where you're hunting and all that. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, we a- couldn't be more opposite on call than we both kill wild ducks. That just goes to show you find what you're what you like to do and go do it. Yeah, more than one way to shoot a duck for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, I like we're... to blow the reeds out of it. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost done here. We're yeah, we're rolling up on a little longer one than typical. Oh, we got more ones came in since. That's it. Okay. Um, the feeling I put in my money and time. Now I demand to be paid a limit. So I guess that's kind of saying the, uh, you know, I'm out here, maybe the more of that limit mentality, that pile pick mentality we were talking about earlier is how I'm going to interpret that, I guess. Um, a little bit of entitlement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to say it, Jake. Thank you. Yeah. Entitlement. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, pub- if you're on hunting, if you're hunting public land, especially it's everyone's, it's not just yours. They're not just your birds. It's not, your spot just so if you got beat out to a spot that you scouted or i don't even care if you have a blind on it it's public land because i mean there's a lot of laws out there that if you put a blind on it anyone basically can use it now should you or not you know that's uh (laughs) do you want to deal with that conflict potentially that's up to you but yeah so Okay, and that uh, that wraps it up. So I guess I'll close it out with my one thing I would change, and that would be eliminating motorized boats from public land. Oh, wow. Yeah, no one else mentioned that. Um, I brought it up before, but my reasoning behind it, and there could be an exception um, basically with an electronic, like a trolling motor or something below a certain decibel limit for anyone that's uh, possibly handicapped, or um, has physical limitations. But my thought process is, you know, I go out, I kayak out to a lot of different spots and it's just crazy how calm the birds are while I'm kayaking out there. How they, I mean, I've had to literally bat a teal away because it flew at me before shooting time. So uh, I, and then those guys, they come in with the mud motors, they come in with the outboards, uh, any of them loud motors, the big bright halogen lights. I've even heard some guys on a, you know, they had speakers in their boat rocking probably some Luke Bryan or something out there. Uh, 
just just hey we like country up here but i don't like luke bryan okay <laughs> put some turnpike on some uh, tyler childers or something something uh what's that zach bryan stuff like that but uh anyways not to get too far off topic but they blow all the birds out and they they blow them out and it's even worse if they show up five minutes to shooting light which goes back to that whole respect factor someone else brought up but basically my thought process for why i would change this is it eliminates pressure on the birds like a guy in there with a kayak or a canoe or a rowboat or even a like electric trolling motor that makes very minimal noise they're not gonna disturb those birds they're not gonna kick them out to the extent that you know a guy with a big boat motor will it also limits how many people you can take out there which also would you know eliminate some pressure because if you don't have huge groups you're not shooting into huge flocks you know that so that would and (laughs) Well, I would hope you're well, hope you're not shooting into huge flocks. It, it would eliminate the amount of gunfire in those spots, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, it also would eliminate how much gear or it would hinder how much gear someone could take out. Like you'd have to earn those ducks. So spots that people like in Arkansas, you know, I you know, I've seen those uh those YouTube videos where the boat races in the morning, everyone's yeah. bam, you know, bashing boats against each other. What if that was a kayak only public area? How many people could get to those same areas? That would make it a hilarious video. Is what it would. I mean, a kayak race in the morning that yeah. They're like but, hitting each other with paddles and trying to But would that make it better? How many over. How many more people like how many people are going to do the work to get to those same spots? And I, granted, I don't know how far back they go. I can only assume, but how many more people are going to do that work? to get back into those spots that they used to be able to access with motorized boats. Yeah. I would think it would hinder some people. So, and then maybe they even become like public land refuges. So only the hardest working people can access those ducks and spots that were previously overlooked because, you know, they were main traffic corridors, both in and out where you're also scaring loafing birds on the way out. Cause you know, I've seen it on public land where, you know, it's midday, guys call it a day, zip out of there. Oh, look, here's a flock of ducks that got kicked up while they were zipping out. Um, so it just, it would add less pressure. It would make people work harder for the birds. And it might even help the whole pressure system. You know, the people crowding in on each other. Because if you're going to want to get in there, you're going to want to, you're going to work for them. Yeah. So that's that's my thought process. By And I know some people, I know... <laughs> Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles is probably listening to this and like shaking his fist in the air because he's like, oh, I got my whole boat armada. That better not happen. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I could get behind that on a few places. And but to make it a sweeping thing, because like you said, it would make it harder to get to. And, and duck hunting on public land is already a young man's game. I mean, as you get older, it's harder to do that work. And that's that's where i'm coming in with the you know i'm making a concession with the electric trolling motor under a certain decibel limit or an electric motor um and then you know kids as well this guy may want to take in his two kids and his buddy and it's just hard to get in for people but i'm kind of opposite of you i like you know i enjoy hunting big groups and shooting into huge flocks (laughs) ethically you know i don't want to you know do it the wrong way as in, you know, and I'm not zones. saying I'm shooting like uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with shooting into huge flocks or anything like that. I'm just saying 
it one solo guy that kayaked out there and he picks off one or two. Yeah. Versus but, eight you, guys unloading on him with 12 gauges. Yeah. There's no doubt that that would create less pressure, but for me and a lot of people like me, that's our style. You know, we carry a lot of gear. We set up a lot of decoys, do a lot of calling and it's super successful and that's how we enjoy to hunt. So that would just be in direct opposition, but I wouldn't be opposed to having some places like that. That way you get the best of both worlds. Like over here, you can go do it this way and here you got to do it this way. And then that way, you know, everybody gets to kind of do what they like, but I'm just, I'm just a huge guy that don't, I don't believe pressure is a problem. So would the birds be easier to kill with what you're saying? Yeah, they would be, but I think they can still be killed with the boats out there they're just harder to kill but they can still be had i mean we do it every day so i mean like, yeah. yeah no that i and i i understand that's that's just kind of my personal thoughts on it you know like yeah. if i could change one thing like like i we like also... it i mean i like some areas being like that it's nice to be able to do it but there's just there's a huge culture difference from nebraska and say arkansas it's just so much different like not many <laughs> people hunt like how you hunt like that's completely foreign here. People don't go out there in a kayak. I mean, it's just the terrain for one thing just sets up different. You would just have to come hunt here to see it, but I've hunted both. So I get it. But um, the games play just completely different here. And that would really just, it, it would be hard to institute that. And, and I think the boat really has made, you know, a huge argument here is cut out mud motors, like still allow regular outboard but cut out mud motors because you know, the mud motor does definitely give you that extra advantage of getting into them super hard to reach places, you know, at the yeah. very back of the cove. Whereas with an outboard, you're going to have to park and walk another quarter mile. And so I, I would be more on, on board for disbanding, you know, mud motors and leave everything else. Cause that would yeah. kind of be a good compromise. I feel like, but yeah. Well, yeah. well, you know, like that's, I thought this would be kind of a cool topic to go over, kind of just see what everyone's thoughts were. And uh, yeah, so appreciate you having on or <laughs> appreciate you jumping on here with me, Jake. And uh, why don't you go and plug your socials and all your, where people can see your content real quick. Yeah, I really enjoyed it and I appreciate you having me, but you can find me on Chasing Green on YouTube, Instagram. Um, so check it out if you're looking for some all season content duck hunting videos tip videos all that good stuff and let's make duck hunting great again and and end all the non-resident bull crap <laughs> <laughs> that's my closing message and that's been approved by chasing green <laughs> there we go all right guys I, once again i'm matt your host high prairie sportsman youtube instagram facebook tiktok <laughs> if you want to if you still use tiktok and uh we'll catch you on the next one thanks for listening <laughs>